Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Leadership Presence, Perception versus Reception in the Virtual Environment. I'm Melody Rawlings, and today our guest is Dr. Randy Sanders, Associate Director of Faculty Support and Development in the School of Business here at North Central University. Dr. Sanders, welcome and thanks so much for your time in coming to chat with us about leader presence in the virtual environment. Thank you, Dr. Rawlings. I'm excited to be here today. Great. Well, in the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about presence and communication in the virtual workplace. And of course, both of those practices are important and you really can't have one without the other. But something we don't often think of when it comes to presence is how presence can influence how virtual leaders are perceived versus received. So Dr. Sanders, I know you are an experienced virtual team leader, so I'm excited to hear your knowledge on this perspective of presence in the virtual workplace. To get us started, please tell us about yourself. Sure. As you shared, Dr. Rawlins, I am one of the Associate Directors of Faculty Support and Development with the School of Business here at North Central University. And I also have a background in coaching women to excel in their careers. And I focus on presence and how to stand out and the things that they need to do in order to elevate to their next level. So I'm excited to join today to discuss presence and how it can affect you and influence an individual as well as a team in the workplace and specifically in the virtual environment. So thanks for having me. Oh, sure. Thank you for that introduction. And you know, just to jump right in, this is such a different time that we're all experiencing with a major shift to working virtually. And of course, you know, some of us are already working virtually like you and I and others part of the time. But with this shift, most people are somewhere on this continuum. So so I think it's important that we define what we mean by presence. So would you share with us what presence means in the virtual environment? And could you give us some examples? Absolutely. So presence in the virtual environment essentially is the same in a face-to-face environment. Presence means bringing your boldest self to work each day. And what I mean by that, presence is the ability to signal confidence, credibility, and communication. It embodies how you show up each and every day, how you speak up, and essentially how you are perceived and received in the workplace. And like I said, in general in life, these are these are principles or skill sets that are applicable not only in the virtual environment, in the physical setting of a workplace, but also things that you can use in your day-to-day interaction. Presence means approaching with confidence and excitement rather than doubt and dread. It's feeling energized and at ease. You're liberating yourself from your fears about how others might be judging you and also knowing that you did your best and you can just forget the rest. So when I talk about presence or when you think about presence, presence is definitely confidence, comfort level, and a passionate enthusiasm for everything that you do each and every day. People who are fully present in their moments, they actively listen They're aware of their nonverbal cues and gestures, and they're very selective in their choices, choices of words, choices of appearance, and choices in your reputation. And that's when, and I know we're going to go into talking about perception versus reception, and reputation has a lot to do with that as well. So an example that I can think of 
is when I shared early on that I've coached women in their careers. And I do it here as well as a faculty support and development coach to see our faculty, you know, pull out their, their potential and let them enjoy each and every day when they come here to NCU. But I'm going to pull an example from a previous um, life, life of mine, if I, if I can. So I was speaking with a woman, a woman who was sharing a story where she wanted to be promoted. A promotion opportunity recently came up in her department and the job skills, they matched. They matched her skills perfectly and she was shocked when she did not get an interview, especially when she learned that the successful candidate was someone less experienced than her. And I've heard this story plenty of times. She decided to ask her boss why she had not been considered for the role. And her boss essentially told her that the selection panel didn't know anything about her. So the boys couldn't convince them that she was the right person for the job. And as I said, I hear this, I've heard this not just from her, I've heard it from other people in their um, day-to-day on why am I not being promoted or why people don't necessarily notice me. And the difference between this individual and the successful applicant is that the successful applicant was well known to the panel. She built her strong connections with influential people. Um, She represented the department in different companies and wide gatherings. And as a result of that, they knew what she can do. So she essentially showed up. She was very visible. And people saw her work prior to this particular opportunity presenting itself. And when it did present itself, itself, she was able to secure that. So an individual may have the right credentials. And when we think about that, you have to think about that um, in work and also in the, in the virtual environment. You may have the right credentials. However, credentials alone will not get you to the next big opportunity. People have to develop their presence to be comfortable with oneself and be seen as others in the, um, in the pathway to their desires. So presence is a skill. It's a skill and it can be learned. It's like a muscle. We have to continue to work at it and strengthen it each and every day. Yeah, you're exactly right. It it is a skill. And I love that story. What a great story to illustrate um, what presence means and uh, and how we can all work on it and and improve. And and I love that you said that it is it is something we can learn. When we think of the word presence, most of us probably think first of in a physical sense. So in the traditional workplace, we could see our coworkers and leaders in their office space or in meetings in the hallway. So, we, you know, we had that visual sight of them. But how does presence in the virtual space differ from presence in the physical setting? That's a great question. So for me, being present in the virtual environment mirrors being present in the physical environment. You can bring some of those same qualities in the virtual environment. And I'll, I'll dig into that in a, in a moment. There are minimal differences, but mainly the same. Both requires intentionality being intentional in knowing who you are and building those relationships and connections even in the virtual space. So let's go back to the the beginning when we define presence, confidence, credibility, and communication. Confidence is the way a leader approaches business, right? Substance includes things such as social presence, your demeanor, and gravitas, your dignity. And leaders are rated on on factors like composure, emotional intelligence, and decisiveness things that you can bring to the virtual environment. Credibility speaks to who you are as a leader, as a person, and it includes things like your values and your beliefs, your morals and your convictions. And these come across in your virtual communications 
each and every day through teleconferences, through um, video conferencing. Leaders are rated on things such as character, integrity, and humility. And then the last pillar is communication, includes factors such as speech, appearance and style, and inclusiveness. And people always say, oh, appearance, I have to look a certain way. And I know that we're we're all now using some form of video conference, Zoom, or you're Skyping, but appearance matters when you are engaging in certain business meetings or conferences or working on certain projects. So how you speak and how you look are important questions to ask yourself, right? When you think about identity management, how you have multiple selves. And sometimes people hear that and they're just like, multiple selves? Oh, no. (laughs) I don't want to have multiple identities. However, we we do adjust accordingly to the situation and environment. So we have to reframe our conversation based on those particular environments and or the audience. So I would say in the physical workspace, there are opportunities for more collectivism, as you shared, Dr. Rawlins, those small gatherings to be physically present. And in those moments, you can engage in those informal communication opportunities. But in the virtual setting, you have to use those electronic tools such as Zoom and Skype or other mediated tools to work to and facilitate those opportunities for informal communication. Again, we have to be intentional and creating the space for that sharing environment. So some of the things that can that differ in the virtual space versus the physical space is being very specific in subject lines of emails. Now we're using more mediated conversations, right? More, me, more mediated tools. So you're gonna use email. You wanna be very specific in your subject lines of your email. You wanna craft a clear and concise message. You wanna proofread your message prior to hitting send. You want to wait 24 hours to address the challenging situation. Clear your head. Stay focused on the topic rather than being led by your emotions. When engaging in phone calls and conferences, everything is in your voice. So your choice of words, your pace, your volume, your tone, inflections, and pauses, all those items communicate its own message. Can you tell that I taught communications at one point in time? I really, really enjoy talking about this because communication is such an essential piece. So you have to be mindful of your tone, your pitch, your volume, because people are judged in those areas. For example, lower pitches indicate that you're more powerful, while higher pitches indicate nervousness and powerlessness. And and, And some techniques to help you with this in the virtual environment are something as simple as before joining a conference call, you can say something like, um, hum, um, hum, like those kind of kind of vo- vocal tools to do at to relax your voice and it helps lower your pitch. Because this is how all this contributes to present, your, your words and the choice of words. Again, you want to stay focused. You, uh, people can hear when you're disconnected in your voice. You want to sit up and you want to smile. You want to square your shoulders back. Smiling provides warmth to your voice. And you want to build trust in the virtual environment. And that's something that's very similar in the physical environment. You still want to build that trust. So you want to use those inclusive words such as we are in this together. It's us. It's not you. It's a collective. It's together. We are unit. So you want to take a few minutes from time to time and have some small talk prior to meetings, those virtual meetings, um, prior to the virtual phone calls. And when you're doing video calls, you want to look like a leader. You want to have a positive attitude. You want to make eye contact. You want to be mindful of your nonverbals. These are things that can also be done in a physical environment, 
But again, you have to really hone in on those when you are in the virtual environment. Those are such great examples and and even little things that we don't often think of really matter and even more so in the virtual environment, uh, for sure. And uh, when we think of our team leader or our coworkers, you know, our perception of them is affected by our interactions and whether or not we feel we can count on them to be actively involved in a project and to do their part of the work. And that leads to what you already mentioned, that is the trust factor. So would you share your thoughts on how presence in the virtual environment affect others' perceptions of us? Great question. Perception is subjective, right? However, perception can be someone's reality in the workforce. So essentially, you create the narrative of your presence or lack thereof, intentionally or unintentionally. And that to me is the gap between your intent versus your impact. So Consider this scenario, and I think examples sometimes kind of really land the concept when you're thinking about how you're perceived in the workforce versus how you want to be received. An individual, let's say, is, is angling for a new promotion. They receive feedback that their colleagues considered him very negative, difficult, had a bad habit of grimacing while processing information, which looked to others like annoyance. That's the perception of you in the workforce. Now this individual was very stunned when they received this feedback because he thought of himself as analytical, thorough, and assumed everyone understood that he was pushing back in order to get get to the best, get the best out of them. That's how he wanted to be received in the workplace. However, he was being perceived negatively. So in this scenario, the individual was unaware of all those unhealthy behaviors. This individual suffered from what psychologists call the transparency illusion. It's the belief that we're all open books and that what we intend is what people see. And this is very important in the virtual setting, as many companies are using video technology to work in groups, conduct interviews, and simply engage via calls. So being aware of yourself, our facial expressions, mannerisms, choice of words, visibility or lack of, camera on or camera off, (laughs) all contributes to how others perceive you. Also, how you consistently showing up contributes to perception. You know, if you are viewed as a hard worker, you're demonstrating that you're a hard worker, you are held to that value. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I don't want anyone to think that's a bad thing. You do want to be a hard worker and you do want to have good work ethics, but you need to be mindful that you are being valued or perceived in the capacity in that capacity only. So if you desire advancement or you want to be valued as a leader, you have to be clear on what you want to pursue and give voice to your ambitions. You cannot only be seen as the hard worker. You have to become very visible. You have to elevate. You have to alter the perceptions that you created, essentially. So remember, we are all the masters of our own domain and the leading actor in our own movie, and we can change the narrative at any point in time. So when it comes to perception and reception, you really have to stop for a moment and ask yourself, how am I being perceived versus how I want to be received? That's a challenge. That's great insight and important points for us to consider. And often we don't take the time to just reflect and think about how we are coming across and others are perceiving us and what we think 
in our own minds about how we're being perceived can be quite different from how we're actually being perceived. And, and just things that one thing that you mentioned, and it may seem like a small thing, but it really does matter whether you're on camera or you're not on camera. Smiling uh, makes such a difference in our attitude. It actually informs our attitude and that informs how we project ourselves and how others perceive us. So those are just great points. And you mentioned that can be a challenge. So what do you feel are the greatest challenges of presence? Getting in tune with self, I would say, is my number one. We, we don't take enough time to self-reflect. We have to allocate time to learn who we are as individuals. Daniel Pink, he's an author who wrote this book called Drive. He speaks of self-mastery in his book. And mastery is where people see no limits to their potential or are given the tools that they need to continue to improve their skills. So we need to take a step back and see how we can sharpen our own saws. We need to be motivated to present and deliver our best self each and every day. As I stated at the top of this, presence is bringing your boldest self each and every time to every situation. Now, with that being said, let me just share a personal story. I have not always been present or exuded present presence myself. I was once okay with just meeting expectations and being a member of the of a team. And I would, I would venture to say that we've all been there at some point in time. And let me just share a secret with you, Dr. Rollins. We all will be there again at some point in time. <laughs> we each have to make a decision to, and you just fill in the blank right? You have to make a decision that you want to, um, you want to show up boldly each and every day. You want to make, you have to make the decision that today is going to be the day that I do something different. You have to make the decision that I no longer want to just meet expectations. I decided that meeting expectations was not enough for me, which means I had to elevate myself. But we must continuously, like I said, you have to sharpen the saw. The saw and it's work. It's work. Self-work takes time. And people don't necessarily want to invest in that. But you are your biggest investment. Because self-doubt, it creeps in. It creeps in when you were introduced to a new experience. It creeps in when we have to learn a new task. And it creeps in when we have to be pushed out of our comfort zones. And that's just human nature. So we have to develop a resolve that will propel us forward. For me, I've become relentless in my pursuit. This means I become comfortable with being uncomfortable to achieve achieve my personal as well as professional um, goals. I wanna ensure that I'm contributing to the advancement of my organization. And it's that intentionality again, it's that being purposeful and being deliberate in your everyday actions. So I would say my number one challenge is getting in tune with self, people allocating the time to do that self-reflection. And number two, the second challenge I would share is taking the first step. Taking the first step is scary. Taking the first step is hard for some people. Making that first move, but we have to have to do it. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, the first step could just mean asking for feedback to enhance your skills. Uh, the first step can mean offering up your talents to help another person. The first step can mean taking a training course, or the first step uh, can mean, as we just shared, Dr. Rollins, turning on the camera. <laughs> Let us see you out there. Actively engage. You have to take the first step. Those to me are the top two challenges when it comes to maintaining presence, because it's, it's constantly going back to that self-reflection 
and just kind of pushing past that that self-doubt or whatever that's hindering you from wanting you to move forward. Yeah, I totally agree. Turning on that camera can be uh, at least, and and for me, it was in the beginning, was something I did not want to do. Was turn on that camera, and just you kind of feel like you're just exposed. And and I think it's common. I think that's a a pretty common feeling, at least from what I've read and and talking with others, that people just feel what you know intimidated or just insecure or whatever. But that's a great point about taking the first step and. Take, and as you take that step, it gets easier to take the next step and, and the next. And so that segues nicely into my next question, and that's going to be on uh, continual improvement. So I'm currently developing a new course, and it's about um, managing virtual organizations. And one of the concepts in the course is to have a plan for continuous improvement. You know, whether it's a team, organization, or self-improvement, we all need a plan. But in order to have an effective plan for improvement, we're going to have to define ways of measuring whether or not that plan is succeeding or will succeed. So is it possible to measure presence? And if so, how would you recommend doing that? Yes. Yes, I think it's very possible to measure presence. There's this saying, and I'm not sure who said it. I heard Sheryl Sandberg from, I think she's the CEO of Facebook. And I know she has her own company called Lean In. There's this, and, but I'm quite sure there's other people who may have also said this, that leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. So for me, presence is a soft skill. It's something that you're developing uh, as an individual to provide to the organization and, and you know to achieve your goal, your personal goal, as well as your professional goal. However, it can be measured. It can be measured in how are you showing up? Are you being very vocal? Are you speaking up? Are you contributing? Are you volunteering? Are you being an active member of that group and team? And as we build out these virtual organizations, people are starting to to work more remotely. Now you actually do have to show up and be more actively engaged and contribute. It's no longer those days of you're just going to do your part or your particular task in a virtual environment, as I shared before, is more of a intentionality and collectivism, and you have to be deliberate in creating that shared space. So can that be measured? Is it possible to measure presence? Absolutely. You can you can see it if you want some if you want to quantify it, how many times ex-employees showed up or participated on this particular project? Has this individual been very active in these committees? Um, Have this individual been a part of um, developing this particular course? Who are the key players? Who are the individuals who are sharing their expertise? Who are those individuals who are showing up and speaking up each and every time? That's how you measure presence because those are the individuals when they are no longer a part of that particular committee, task, and or project would have left a lasting impact that if you work on something in the future, you may say, oh, do you remember such and such was part of this? We would like that individual to join us. Or we need to just pull in that person's expertise into this particular task or on this in this particular project. That's how you measure presence. Oh, those are great ideas. 
Um, and so we as leaders can measure and know if our presence is effective. But sometimes as a new virtual leader, it can be a challenge to establish our presence and then to maintain it. And you've kind of touched on these uh, already. But what advice do you have for virtual leaders, uh, especially new virtual leaders, to establish and maintain that presence? They have to first show up, Dr. Rawlins. That new virtual leader has to show up as much as their calendar will permit. They need to be present. They need to actively participate in that virtual environment. We need to know who you are. If you if you are calling yourself a leader, we need to see you lead and we need to see you motivate and inspire others. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in their leader and a great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. So we need you to show up because we need to see these traits within you pouring out of you and imprinting on others within the team. And then we also need you to speak up. It's not enough just to show up in the virtual room and say, hey, we see you on the in the Zoom chat room or on the Zoom com- um, committee or Zoom task, task force. We need you to contribute your expertise. You want to be able to share what your knowledge base to advance the organization, that particular goal, that particular project. You don't want to sit there idle. You want to be mindful of your level of communication and your audience. You need to learn the people that you're working with. Get to know them. Get to know their personality because that's going to help you in, in how you communicate with those particular individuals. Some people are very authoritarian and you can speak to them very direct. And then there's some individuals who are a little bit more laissez-faire and they're okay with receiving information that way. So we have to be kind of multidimensional in our communication to address those particular individuals within our groups and our teams. And I would say the last piece of advice for a new virtual team leader, gain clarity on your personal and professional goals. When you gain clarity on that, they will both align. They should both align in the workforce. And when you're clear, showing up and speaking up will become very easy and you'll be very intentional about, intentional about it. So when you are clear on what you want for your own personal and professional goals, it, it will start to be easier for you to show up and speak up in each of those virtual environments. That's such great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Sanders, for all the insight and information you've shared with us and for a support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights and the practices you've shared, which I just know will be helpful to our listeners. Thank you, Dr. Rawlins. This has been very fantastic. I've enjoyed speaking with you today on presence. And I, like I said, it's a skill so everyone can sharpen the saw, can learn it, and they can apply it each and every day. Thank you again.